welcome to another edition of the Standard Remotely Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standick, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Tuesday morning here in the DMV. I uh, hope everyone is doing well ahead of the uh, July 4th. Well, it's not July 4th weekend, but July 4th is around the corner. Um, of course, that's not the July date that any of us are really focused on. That will be July 20th when it is expected the NFL owners will take a vote on Josh Harris buying the commanders, which we would assume at that point is going to pass. So that is where that, that is the July date that most of us are focused on. If you've got kids, of course, you're going to be really paying attention to the upcoming holiday. I get that. I'm, I'm thinking about a beach stop myself. Um, but we're working hard here on this episode. We've got my guy, Kevin Sheehan from the team 980 who joined me sort of a potpourri of topics including independent of Dan Snyder where are we at on Josh Harris from what we know he has not spoken we don't know what his hopes and dreams are yet for this team his plans but you know we we you know we've all been paying more attention to what's going on with his other teams and we're in, and what we can read and those of us in the in the industry you know who do we talk to what do we think so we discuss that in addition to Obviously, we know the commanders are in a huge transition right now going from Dan Snyder to Josh Harris, but basically every team in town is going through a huge transition, and there's always that question of who is the most likely to next win a championship, and typically there's an easy default answer. I don't know that that is the case right now, so Kevin and I discussed that and got into a couple other topics as well here on the Standard Room Only podcast, which, of course, you can find on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. And as for subscribing uh, for The Athletic, this is a great time to do it if you haven't yet to. It is our summer sale, a dollar a month for 12 months. Click on one of my articles. Last week, I wrote about uh, Sam Howe and how his um, rookie contract is at some level the holy grail for Washington um, because of what that could do for them if, in fact, he hit so go click on that and you can subscribe right there um look obviously there's not a ton of news going on right now with Washington with with Washington um it looks like hard knocks based on what we see the Jets are going to be stuck with it I somebody told me this the other day if Washington is open to to accepting it which is what uh, Mike Florio put out the other day and I've certainly heard that there are people in the building here who would want would want it if they haven't been given it yet, they're not getting it. Um, and I think, again, it's understandable. I talked about this previously. I, you know, Josh Harris would be possibly getting the team around July 20th and camp opens the 25th and 26th. Do you really need the new owner? Whatever's about to happen there, all that on display if you're the league? I, I don't think so. The in-season one I makes more sense, but right now, no. So Green Bay, or sorry, Green Bay, the Jets appear to be the team it makes the most sense that they would get hard knocks. We'll see. But I would, I guess at this point, assume it's not going to be Washington. Um, I feel like a radio host here before I'm about to do. It's, it's at this time of year where you like look around for articles that, that, that anything is remotely interesting about the team that you cover or discuss. And what can you use from that? And um, I was on with uh, Sheehan on his radio show uh, Monday. I'm on every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. ESPN has a story, uh, Bill Barnwell, ranking the playmakers for each team in total. 
and the Commanders ranked 21st. They ranked 22nd last year. They ranked 24th in 2021. So slight incremental increases over the last couple of years. 21st. Now, the 21st number in of itself, you'd have to look at all the teams and determine whether or not Washington, you know, how is that a fair number? You know, you could be really good and still be 21 if everybody else is just a little bit better. And it looks like Barnwell to me is, he's saying that Terry McLaurin is obviously, you know, one of the best receivers in the league. He's given some praise to Jahan Dotson as well, but then he kind of dings the rest of it. Um, He mentions Curtis Samuel with his quote, gadget style of play has made him one of the league's least efficient receivers. Um, You know, some, some not, not so much hype for Deami Brown or Logan Thomas. Okay. Kind of understand that. And then it gets to running back and it says this place for possible growth, but not with Antonio Gibson, who has grown less efficient as a runner across his three NFL campaigns. And then Brian Robinson uh, says here, quote, we'll also hope to improve after a middling rookie season. Although he acknowledges the, um, the gunshot. Um, so what's interesting about this is that this is, I think, a good example of local versus national. From a national perspective, everything he just, you know, everything he's saying here, I can't really dispute, right? I mean, Brian Robinson did average under four yards a carry last year. Antonio Gibson's yards per carry has dropped every year um, since he's been in the league. Uh, Curtis Samuel has been largely inefficient, right? I mean, it's not like it, it's not, you know, I mean, obviously 2020 when he was hurt and last year, he did some good stuff, but I mean, it wasn't like overly dynamic and we all have questions about the tight end room but at the same time I think it's all relative right like we look at Gibson and Robinson as an example I wrote the other day um my takeaways from camp and I wrote that I think Antonio Gibson could be somebody to watch this year now as a local reporter I get to see practices I get to see what these players are looking like within the new Eric B enemy system. Again, we all understand it's only OTAs and minicamp. It's hardly the full, the full deal, but it's also just projecting a bit. The idea of Antonio Gibson being in a system with Eric B enemy in which they're more likely to use him in a, in a, in a, in this less traditional conventional way that they have been the last couple of years. You know, again, we, we know as a rookie Gibson had a really huge year. But so did J.D. McKissick, and J.D. McKissick sort of occupied that pass-catching back situation, and he became more of the um, one they played around with and moved around and things like that. But the last two years, especially with McKissick hurt, unfortunately, most of the time, you know, Gibson still wasn't exactly being used in these really fun, interesting ways. And I think that could happen more this year. You know, the kind of deal where you put him in the backfield with Robinson and if the other team has a, a uh, you know, run-heavy personnel. You motion Gibson out, now all of a sudden he's one-on-one with a linebacker. Or the opposite, you know, if they're got, the defense has uh, a nickel or dime package, you have you know Gibson out wide, then you move him back in to, to a back spot, and all of a sudden you can hammer them with the run game. I think Gibson could have a pretty interesting year. And as for Robinson, was it a middling year? I mean, I guess... By the numbers, but we all watched it. I thought Brian Robinson was pretty decisive with a lot of his runs, and we all acknowledge that 
the line was not good. And the quarterbacking play was overall uninspiring. And both of these things, you know, why don't, I don't know if they'll be better, right? We've already discussed there's questions on the line and I, I, for all the Sam Howell optimism, I totally get it, but we'll have to see what, what happens when he starts to play. Um, I, I just think that, and also like, here's the other thing, you know, Brian Robinson is the best interior runner they've had. I, I don't know since when. I mean, he's the he's looks like the best option they've had in some time. So I don't I, I can't really dismiss that. Also, like with you know, just in general, we understand here that the playmakers, it's a much better group than this team had before Rivera showed up. You know, I remember, you know, Terry McLaurin's rookie year, his the other receiver opposite him was like Kelvin Harmon. All right. So they, they have, and then of course you had like, you know, Adrian Peterson, who who obviously did some good things, but an older back, et cetera. So I, I just think this is just an interesting discussion because like I said, from a national perspective, I don't know that anything he is saying in there is wrong, but I think from our perspective, we see the potential more because we are here. We are living in the moment. We're not focused on the other 31 teams and the idea of McLaurin and Dodson and Samuel and Gibson and Robinson, boy, that sure sounds pretty interesting. Um, and again, that's based on uh, partly on our shared history of this team and remembering the years of Terrell Pryor and n- no disrespect to my, to my guy, uh, fat Rob Kelly, but you know, Rob Kelly and some other you know, Calvin Harmon, I just mentioned, and some others were just like, eh, <laughs> it's not, you know, there's not a lot of upside here. Here, I think there is a, a decent amount of upside. So 21 seems low to me, but again, that's you got to look at all the teams to make those head-to-head comparisons. But it just feels like reading the comments that the national perception of Washington is going to be lower than we think. And even though he doesn't really discuss the quarterback situation here, obviously that has to be a factor both ways. On the one hand, Sam Howe is a complete unknown, relatively speaking. So how are you, you know, does that mean Terry McLaurin, you know, are you judging Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dodson and Samuel based on how you would if they had a, a, a more proven veteran quarterback? Maybe not, you know, in terms of like what their production could be. But on the other hand, Sam Howell, you know, is pretty exciting. And, you know, from their standpoint of we'll see what, you know, we'll see. Um, you know, he's got some good traits. Uh, you know, I, I still, when I talk to people around the league about him, I, I have yet to have anybody say to me, oh boy, we didn't like that guy at all. Like everybody does seem to have liked him. And the fact that he did slip to the fifth round, you know, could he have gone in the third where Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral went? Yeah, I think that's probably reasonable, but those other teams went a different way. So, um, you know, and I know that's like the argument people have when we discuss Sam Howell in the fifth round and make that point, but nonetheless, it did happen. So I get that, it, you know, the offense may be viewed as having a lower ceiling nationally than we may view it locally, partly because if Sam Howell hits, but also... Because, you know, I think we see more from these uh, playmakers than clearly some of the national folks do. So I just thought that was interesting on that point. It's going to be like a fantasy football thing also. I'll be curious about it. I have not looked at any fantasy football stuff. But where do these guys rank, relatively speaking, to their peers? And how much of that is going to be factored into Sam Howe's uncertainty? And also just going off numbers from last year that some people may say, eh, this was not that exciting. Totally get it, but I think there is potential here at the playmakers. If the if Washington's playmakers are unimpressive, I don't see how the season's going anywhere, considering we, we already have questions on the line and at quarterback. Um, anyway, so that's uh, just 
just, just a quick thought there on that. Um, let's get to it now. Here is my conversation with my guy, Kevin Sheehan. Uh, Monday to Friday, 10 to 1 on the Team 980. And of course, the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast as well. Go check that out. I get to be on both of those from time to time, but it's always a blast. But now I get to ask Kevin some questions. Let's do it here on the Standard Groom Only podcast. All right. It's always fun when I get to talk to Kevin Sheehan, but now it's even more fun because I get to be the one asking the questions, not the one answering them like I do Mondays and Fridays at 11 on. I like it the other way around. Yeah, well, you know, that that's how why we got to shake it up every once in a while okay. for the audience. Um, I was on with Kevin today on the Team 980. We talked a lot about the Wizards because that's more of the news than the Commanders. So you can go listen to that if you want to hear Wizards talk. We'll, we'll focus here on sort of the Commanders, but really kind of an overview of DC sports. First off, um, how are you liking the new uh, the, the new time slot at this point? Is, 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 is you're, uh, are you, you feeling more relaxed, not having to get up at the 3 in the morning all the time? I love it. Uh, I mean, it's much healthier. Um, I don't know if it's working or not. I mean, that's something that my boss uh, and program director and good guy, Chris Kynard, will uh, Chris CK will tell me. Um, but I, I like it. Like, I, look, I've done I've done early mornings for eight years, and it's um, when you're doing it, especially by yourself. It nobody cares about this, Ben, but. It's just, it's a grind every day to get up at 4 a.m., especially not for everybody, you know, but I like watching games and I don't like going to bed early. So, yeah, I like it so far. Definitely. It's a good change. Uh, yeah, the, the, I don't, I've, I've never understood how the morning radio sports person does that when, you know, games go on. Like, the, I mean, just even like the NBA draft the other night wasn't the game, but the, the draft didn't even end until like way after midnight. So, like, if you want to stay up and watch whatever the, you know, NBA finals are often late, you know, all those things, Monday Night Football, any of that stuff. So, yeah. Well, you know, for years on this station, we had Mike and Mike, you know, Greenberg and Golick doing that show on ESPN Radio for many, many years. And, you know, it was on in the morning in the station. You know, we used to pipe in the shows into the bullpen area. You remember uh, the station in Rockville. And if you you knew that neither one of them watched anything the night before, but at ESPN, they've got, you know, 18 producers and 16 associate producers who are teeing up, you know, all the information and all the different angles they can take for the games that they didn't watch. Um, We don't have any of those people. Uh, We have one producer uh, per show. And so if you really wanted to make sure that people, understood that you watched the game and knew what went on yet actually had to watch the game now my good friend al galdi who did mornings for a while would record all those games and go to bed at seven o'clock and wake up at like 2 a.m and watch them he had he had quite the routine um on and he'd be able to watch them in condensed version because he'd be able to fast forward through all of the meaningless commercials and meaningless portions of the game but anyway um, well, I'm, I'm not sure Al is one of us. I, I if you want to tell me aliens live among us, he would be us. He would be somebody I would point to and and say, I don't know what's going on here. Um, yeah, right. good. Galdi's got a routine that there is no way will ever break. He is a man of habit, um, and he hates to change uh, those habits. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I re- respect the discipline. I have none, so respect the discipline. So discipline. Um, 
Yeah. All right. So, so let me ask you this. Like, you know, there's obviously not a ton going on with the commanders. I mean, we don't need to have the 20th conversation about Sam Howe, especially since you and I will get yelled at by Twitter. Um, but obviously it's such a, it's a, it's a very interesting time, right? Because we're waiting for the ownership change to happen here any minute, which will be the biggest change for this organization and really DC sports in the last 25 years. But on top of that, the wizards just completely blew up their whole roster. Finally, they did that. The Nationals, uh, you know, we're waiting. Are they going to sell? Are they not going to sell? They are rebuilding. Is Davey Martinez going to be back next year? Mike Rizzo, too, I guess. Um, the Capitals, okay, they still have Ovechkin, but it's a first-year head coach. Uh, you know, where are they going at this point? Then you have, even on the college level, you have, you know, Maryland's got a uh, – Kevin Willard's only going to his second season. Georgetown has Ed Cooley going to his first. The Mystics, to include them, they have a new coach this year because Mike Tebow retired and his son took over this year. Uh, DC United, I don't know enough to know what to say, but Wayne Rooney's only in his second year, I, I think. And I think he came in halfway <laughs> through last year. So well, I think I'm right. So that is an insane amount of change. And, and one thing that's always great about sports is you get to know the characters involved and you get to, if you're a fan, get to be attached to them. I, I I don't recall having this much in flux simultaneous everywhere. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, it's so wacky that all this is happening at once. And I'm just curious as a guy who talks about all these things to some degree, maybe not DC United, but to some degree, all these things, what, what do you make of, 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 of all this? Tommy and I talked about this on the podcast today um, because he wrote this column on Friday about how Ted, perhaps the only person in town that doesn't want Dan Snyder to sell the team is Ted Leonsis, you know, because now he'll be measured against, you know, something less than a total incompetent. Um, so I told him, like I said, there are two ways to look at this. It is as bleak in the current as we've had in a long time. The last team to have gone to, to a playoff series was the Caps in 22, in the spring of 22. Right. No playoffs for the football team, no playoffs for the basketball team, no playoffs this year for the hockey team. And certainly there's not going to be any postseason for the baseball team. And the next team that will likely be in the postseason will be the hockey team in the spring of 24. Um, so it's bleak right, right now. But the other way you can look at it is Dan Snyder's gone. And for the first time, the, the football team has a chance to be a real organization in the NFL, like a truly functioning normal organization the basketball team has entered into something that most of us agree with like this is the way to do it it's going to take a while and there's no guarantee of a positive outcome but this is the right thing to do so there's a little bit of excitement maybe isn't the right word but like renewed expectations with the wizards um the nats have a nice young core i mean mackenzie gore struck out Juan Soto last night three times and he looks like the real deal and there are other players that look like the real deal and maybe it's two to three years uh, you know down the road and the hockey team will just probably based on the way the NHL works be back into the postseason they're good enough more likely than not to be in the postseason next spring so on one side it's like oh it's brutal right now and there's no short-term end to this bleakness and at the same time, for the first time, there's optimism about the football team and the basketball team. And there is some hope for the Nats down the road. 
actually the 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 long term future of the caps may be the one that people question the most. But the truth is, we don't know that Josh Harris is going to make it much better in the way of playoff wins, and we don't know if the Wizards' process is going to work, and we don't know if the Nats' current you know rebuild will work. But anyway, um, well, what what's so interesting is no, it's a good answer. Well, you know, obviously a. A, a, a radio show staple, especially in the summer months when there's not much to discuss, is if you need to, is which of the teams has the best chance of winning the title next? And obviously for several years, by default, we would just say the Caps or the Nats just because they were least contending, whereas the command or whatever the Washington team football right. team was called was all over the place. And the Wizards largely, you know, were butting their heads up against being, you know, the, the fifth, sixth, seventh seed. I don't know of a clue right it's now what's it has to be the caps because of the nature of the sport i mean florida just made it as the eight seed all the way to the stanley cup finals and it's probably you know a little bit better than a coin flip that they'll be back in the playoffs next year and then they've always had good enough players to make a run even though they haven't almost every single time with the exception of once but they'll be in they're the most likely to be in the postseason, and you can't win it unless you're in the postseason. Sure. And they're in this sport where the most unusual things happen in the postseason. So, so it's I, the Caps. Sure. So I guess my only like pushback on that is like what you're describing is 100% accurate, but it's also based on the notion of the league being fluky. Like in terms of the actual right. – like putting themselves in the position to be a to contender. To be the Bruins. Right, yeah. right. To be a team that are like, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. But look at the Miami. He just went to the finals. They were the eight seed. But I'm just saying, like the 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 idea of okay, they're actually one of the teams that Vegas is going to say is one of the three, four, five, six best shots to win. I I don't think the Caps are there. I'm not enough of a hockey guy, but it feels to me if if we stripped away the Ovechkin legend aspect, which we can't, but if we did, they would absolutely should be starting over. It seems to me. But putting yeah, that aside, maybe. the yeah. Wizards are definitely at minimum three to four years away from doing anything on purpose. Every like bit I, of it. Right. The commanders are on some level. I think the team that is there, not because they are the best team, but if Sam Howe actually becomes a legit quarterback and the defense is top 10, blah, blah, blah. And the NFC is pretty down right now, you know? So, but I'm not saying them either. I'm saying the answer is nobody. And I can't imagine if we went back and looked for the last 20 years that the answer would be nobody. If, assuming you, you, you anybody agrees with my view, it is such a weird time. But I also think it's so promising because the Wizards and Commanders are so wide open. Because well, I shouldn't say the Commanders are open, but new ownership. The the Nats, it's all about building. I, I think it's all exciting on that front. I think it's actually interesting the way you put it about the Commanders, and that is, you didn't say it this way, but basically they're one player away. I mean, they really. Are, the problem, of course, is the player in the position. It's the quarterback position. And a lot of teams can say they're one player away from that standpoint. But they, if Sam Howell turns out to be the right guy, they are going to be a good team the next few years. Maybe not a Super Bowl contending team. Maybe not even a deep, deep into the postseason team. But a team that'll be a good team that'll have a chance to go to the playoffs you know, um, with the defense that they have, with the playmaking units that they have on offense. And so maybe because they're one player away and that player we don't know anything about, really. Maybe they, they are, um, you know, they're the wild card in all of this. The funny thing about the Wizards, 
uh, I had David Aldridge, you know, your, um, uh, the the athletic cohort of yours. And I love David. He was on with me last week, I think on radio. And I said, it's at least six years away before we find out. And he goes, no, 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 no. It's sooner than that. It's a couple of years, three years. I'm like, no, because you need three drafts minimum to land on two players that you believe are really potentially elite. And then it's two to three years after that, that they come into their own as veteran. Like, even if you land on that player, even if it is Kulabali, um, Bilal, uh, even if it is him, he's 18. I mean, it's going to be 23 or 24 before he's really ready as an elite player. If it turns out that he is an elite player before he's leading a championship contender. So I told Tommy the other day, I'm like, five, six years. I don't even know if I'll like basketball in five to six years from now, but I am pleased that they're doing it this way. It's the right way to try to do it for an organization like them. It's not right for every organization. There are organizations that are destinations for the best player in the game and two of his really good friends to come and contend right away. Um, But yeah. Uh, When People were like, how come the Wizards aren't getting a first-round pick? And then they get one from Golden State. And people were like, oh, they got a first-round pick. I'm like, it's 2030. I, I don't – the asteroid might hit us by then. I, I can't that, – that doesn't count for me. <laughs> it exists. That's fine. Yeah. But, like, that's not part of my plan in terms of how they're going to potentially turn things around. Um, I know you got to go in a second. Uh, Josh Harris. No, no, I'm good. Okay. Well, jo- so Josh Harris. Yeah. The primary focus for all of us has been at least he's not Dan Snyder. But now that right. it's almost time, and, and admittedly, we don't know what his plans are. I don't know if he uh-huh. wants to do the NFL version of the process. He wants to go all in next offseason and spend and turn be like the Rams were a couple of years ago and just go for it. We don't know. But have you? But knowing that he what he's done with the Sixers and to whatever degree you've paid attention with the Devils and talking to people and get a sense, are are you more or less optimistic about him, independent of Snyder, than maybe you were? when this all first started am i are you saying am i optimistic that it ended up being him and not somebody else just that it's his that yeah that he's gonna be you know that, yeah, that he's I'm gonna optimistic. be good i'm optimistic i mean you know he's got a track record of turning a couple i mean look at the devils look he's got experience owning a sports team and none of his fans and none of his fellow owners have pled for him to leave like so I, I don't it's hard not to put it in the context of Snyder but trying to take it outside of that I don't know I I'm assuming that he's competent because he owns multiple sports teams and a couple of them have done very well I mean none of them have won consistently or been championship worthy but I also have some level of excitement over magic johnson being a part of this thing <laughs> yeah. um mitch rails who's lucky and everything he seems to be involved in is successful so the group you know as a whole magic's involvement is going to be interesting to see what he gets involved in does he get involved in helping to try to get the new stadium to where they want it because i'm sure they want it in dc whether or not it'll be, it, it'll be economically feasible to do it for either party in DC, we will know, you know, over the next six months, I'm sure. But no, I'm excited about seeing a new group. And um, 
and sort of excited about them. Like, I mean, if you told me it was Bezos or Tillman Fertitta or Apostolopoulos or, I mean, look, the bottom line is, like I've said this so many times, Ben, there was no demand for this football team at $6 billion. So at the, at the, at the very least, we should be incredibly appreciative that Josh Harris and all of his investors came together to give Dan the number he wanted. Yes, no, that that much is is true. Thank, thankfully, that 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 aspect uh, got done. By the way, if 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 and when Magic Johnson is made available to us, and let's just say I'm able to secure a one on one with him, I I, I, I somebody's going to probably have to hold me down to not turn the entire conversation into uh, why aren't you the best player of all time? Because I would argue he's he's, he's in the discussion. You and, and nobody me. talks we're, about it. We're we're in we're we've always been in agreement on this. Tommy's in agreement with us as well. Magic's look. Michael is my number one, but for many years I would say, look, if you gave me a chance to start a team, it's probably Michael. But Magic is so close. I was, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm the biggest Magic Johnson fan of all time. I think he's in so many ways transformed the game. He changed the game, you know, not so much in the same way that the three point shot and the way Steph started shooting it and others started shooting it. But we had never seen a six foot nine inch point guard. Um, and we had never seen a player, I don't think, dominate the way he dominated at almost any position he played. Um, and it was the most exciting team to watch there for, you know, a decade and a half. Yeah. I mean, look, if people want to tell me Jordan, I know people don't want to hear about the GOAT conversation, but like, if you want to tell me Jordan is the best, okay, do not tell me the entire discussion is Jordan or LeBron. Get out of here. No, um, it's not Jordan or LeBron. No, no, get, it's get not. Out, get, 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 out of, get out of here with that. But, you know, he's going to be yeah. fascinating and, I, 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 um, it's going to be so interesting, you know, if, if the July 20th situation does happen that they take the vote and it passes and Josh Harris, it's just to become the new owner. I, I, it's, you know, he, he doesn't get the keys to the building that day. Right. They got to go, whatever they got to do, right. but he's literally going to take over like as training camp is essentially starting on the 25th and 26th. That is so, a so wacky timing. Um, I, I think that's just going to be, I mean, look, for us, I think it's going to be an absolute nightmare because we're going to have to be simultaneously telling everybody, hey, here's how Sam Howell is looking at practice and Emmanuel Forbes while also going, oh, is the owner going to make any big changes immediately? What's his philosophy? Yeah, that's going to stink, but it's going to be interesting nonetheless. Yeah, it will be. I mean, Snyder took over kind of at the same time. You know, it was in August of 99 when he legitimately took over the team and he did try. You know, according to guys like Bethard, you know, and Charlie over the years, he did try to undo a couple of things football-wise. He tried to undo the Brad Johnson trade that Charlie had made. Thankfully, he wasn't able to do that. Or he'd have one playoff win as an owner because they wouldn't have gone to the postseason that year. Right. Um, so, uh, but I doubt this group. The one thing, and I think you've been told the same thing from people um, either in the the ownership group or close to it, they are going to take their time, um, especially on the football stuff. Uh, they're not going to rush into anything. They're going to be very analytical. The data I've been told is going to drive, you know, all of these decisions. Um, I think more interesting will be what do they do with the rest of the building? Because he has infrastructure for a sports franchise times two in this country times three overall and I would assume he's going to leverage a lot of that. Presumably. Um, 
another day i want to talk when we have more both have more time about the the current dc media landscape in light of leontis taking you know uh, formally taking control of monumental sports i think this is such an unbelievably fascinating topic i actually think it's more interesting on some level than discussing the teams because it's about the idea of how do we get our information and 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 what is what is real what is censored all, all the stuff i think that's fascinating but uh we, we can get that. that is, that's day. a fascinating conversation, which we have to have. And, you know, one of the things that we'll look for is to see whether or not what we've heard, which is, you know, essentially it's going to be Pravda um, over there um, and really controlled messages and super happy and super, you know, uh, pom-pom waving. Um, if that actually materializes, because remember, a lot of people thought when Red Zebra bought our radio station back in, you know, 2006, 2007 timeframe, a lot of people accused the radio station of they were going to become, you know, just an extension of the team. And it was going to be Larry Michael doing, you know, 15 hours of programming every day. And that did not materialize at all. Um, uh, and, and so I, I, I think that that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Um, I think an interesting thing to listen to is Kevin every uh, Monday through Friday, 10 to one on the team 980. And of course the Kevin Sheehan show podcast. What is it? Kevin Sheehan show podcast. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's that, it. I mean, you all clearly already listened to it because I see that it's Kevin has always ranked unbelievably high in the, in podcast rankings of such things. So keep listening to him there. And I appreciate when he lets me uh, come on to, to yap about whatever we uh, have to discuss in the moment. Uh, my guy, appreciate it. And, uh, you are, you're, you're the best. Um, and, uh, you know, those of you that listen to Ben should subscribe to the athletic as well. Boy, look at, <laughs> There's look at another, that. There, yeah. yeah. Um, but you are the best. Uh, I always enjoy this. Have me back more often if you want deal. Thanks, man. All right. See ya. All right. Many thanks to Kevin Sheehan for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Um, We'll have some work up this week on The Athletic. I, I, I have faith that that'll occur. Uh, but for now, I'm going to go drink some coffee and sign off. Until next time, see ya.